You went where? They asked Peter in disbelief. You ate with whom? This is the warm reception that Peter receives from his fellow believers after his very successful weekend mission trip to Joppa. Why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? Translation, why did you break with covenant tradition? Why did you share this holy, sacred space for people who have not been initiated? How could you so casually dilute our common bond with God and, and one another by eating with those people? Peter explains. Step by step, he walks them through what happened, first to him and then to a family of Gentiles. When he is through, Luke tells us they were silenced. So what leads to this moment of silence? First, Peter experiences a revelation that changes what he believes about God and pots and pans. Very key thing that we use every day, Peter has his mind changed. While praying, he sees like something like this large sheet. This is a strange vision. Uh, it's held by its corners somehow, and on the sheet there are all kinds of creatures crawling around. Uh, beasts, um, reptiles, birds, uh, all, uh, including a lot of animals the Bible says not to eat. And this voice comes from heaven saying, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter says back to the voice from heaven, which I think is really funny, no. <laughs> What's that heavenly voice? No, nah, I don't think I'm going to do that. <clears throat> but Peter says no, and the voice argues back. Well, look, don't you go call and profane what the Lord has made clean. And Peter says, okay, I'll think about it. That's the, that's the first thing. Second thing that leads to this moment of silence, when Peter explains it, is he, he experienced this revelation that changes not only what he believes about pots and pans, but also people. So now we're, we, we're God and pots and pans and human beings. Just as he comes out of his trance, these three strangers show up at his door and they ask him and his, his other brothers with him to come to their household in Caesarea. It's about uh, 30 some miles away uh, along the coast. Peter goes there uh, with his brothers and he preaches. And as he does, the spirit rushes into their house. Just like it did, this is a very Gentile house, and the spirit rushes in just like it did with the very Jewish house uh, that we experience, uh, uh, we hear this story, the beginning of the book of Acts, the story of Pentecost. And it comes with all the accompanying disorientation and wonder and excitement. And then before God and everybody, Peter defends himself to his very faithful Jewish kin by saying, since God has given these people the same gift we received, how could I not eat with them? Silence. 
Now, to be sure, Jewish faith is not designed to keep people out. But to make visible the relationship between God and God's people, Jews and Gentiles interacted in public spaces all the time. On the road, in the marketplace, in business, cooperating for the sake of the commons. But, it, but under these circumstances, Jews do not eat with Gentiles. If a Gentile wanted in to the table, they need to convert. Which these Gentile companions of Peter had not done. But here Peter is giving full expression to his conviction that now these outsiders had somehow become insiders. Those who didn't belong all of a sudden belong. It was such a stunning revelation you could hear a pin drop on shag carpet. That's what they had then. Notice the very key clue in today's text that everyone is being transformed. Everyone is being transformed from one glory to another. Those who have have never remembered the Sabbath, they've never kept it holy, they experience their lives change in an instant. The Holy Spirit rushes in and saturates their, their bodies, their minds, their souls, and these outsiders will never be the same again but also God's elect. Those who have oriented their entire lives around the Sabbath and kept it holy. Those who have been closest to God's heart for centuries, born of Adam, born of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they too experience an extraordinary transformation, so powerful that they are reduced to silence. Everyone at church today... (laughs) Those who've been inside, those who are coming from the outside, all of them are being transformed. I remember hearing the story of a man named Roger Leonard. He's a successful hospital administrator. He'd grown up all his life in church. He um, went went back to seminary when he was in his 50s. You can go to seminary anytime. They'll, they'll take anybody now. <laughs> uh, now, the seminary's motto there was from Paul's letter to the Romans, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And Mr. Leonard, by the time he got into the end of his first semester, he said uh, to the dean, you guys should change the motto to the school to be transformed by the blowing of your mind. So much had he learned as he became immersed in the story of God's people and God's works and seeing new things about his faith. He was left flabbergasted. There's something so intoxicating about being the insider, isn't it? Being the elect. And it can shake us to the core when we discover that God's idea of Election and our idea of election don't exactly match up. The Venn diagram doesn't quite overlap. Wait, I thought they were outside and we were inside. What happens when the outsiders become insiders? What becomes of the insiders? Is this, do, we still have a, do we still have anything worth calling inside? 
No doubt that there was considerable silence when the theologian Karl Barth, over and against other giants of the Protestant Reformation, turned over the doctrine of double predestination. Now let's go to school for just one minute. The doctrine of double predestination said that some are uh, predestined to go to heaven, they're the elect, and others are elected to go to hell. So they're destined, no matter what you do, they're, they're destined for that. So that was the doctrine of double predestination. And Karl Barth, who uh, the author Flannery O'Connor said she liked because he's always moving the furniture around. Barth actually comes and he starts flipping the tables over on this doctrine. Barth said, no, all humanity, past, present, and future, has been redeemed from the curse of sin by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, he said, humanity is the elect. This is the kind of theology we need. We need to live. And these are the kinds of, of churches and congregations, people of faith everywhere that our broken country and our fallen world need today. I think about yesterday. I think about this young man. The young white man, Buffalo twisted and corrupted by white nationalist ideology. He embraced a way that leads to death. His screed about white people being replaced by black and brown people. In our striving to matter and be remembered, we become addicted to division. We build our walls and erect our gates and buy our weapons. And I wonder how different our nation would be if just the churches if just the churches could live into this act's moment of silence. Because Christians remember that, that the church as it was being birthed into existence across the book of Acts kept being stunned to figure out who was actually included and who actually belonged that they didn't know belonged before. And Saul became Paul. Remember Paul? He was a basically serving as a coat rack for people who were murdering Christians. And then Philip stumbles upon the, the Ethiopian eunuch. He's from Ethiopia. He's a eunuch. Doesn't belong. But what's to prevent me from being baptized, he asks. And the next thing they know, they're whooshed over to some body of water and he's coming up from the water and now these Gentiles they're being included too this circle of elect seems to be growing wider and wider and wider and it's speeding up and here's the thing the silence here in the text what comes on the other side of it celebration these people of faith recognize the Spirit of God in this widening circle of embrace. And they celebrate and sing and praise and worship. They see it as good news. This sort of thing happened to me once. 
When I was studying, I was writing my dissertation on a race riot in Greensboro. I could not break into the circle of fellowship in Greensboro uh, to do the journalistic work that I knew I had to get done in order to graduate. I could not, I could not crack the door into this circle. I, a, a young white male from Duke, and the people who had spearheaded this miraculous reconciling event in Greensboro were mostly black leaders of faith. And nobody would call me back. <laughs> and I finally decided that I would just go to one of their churches and try to meet them, meet one of the leaders. So I drove from Durham to Greensboro and I just walked into the vestibule and there was a man in a tuxedo who welcomed me. By the way, we should get some tuxedos. <laughs> we get a tuxedo line item in our budget. Um, I mean, he was wearing, it was like a coat with tails. This guy wasn't messing around. This was a, so he welcomed me into the, the church service had already started. I was a little late, no surprise. Some of those of you who know me. Just, just late enough that um, I was the last person there. I was also the only white person there. And I didn't know what to expect when I went. Uh, I, I knew that Reverend Clarence Shuford was black, and I knew that this was a predominantly black church, but I'm the only white person there. I walk in, and I, I take my seat. Actually, I'm ushered to a seat, and I'm handed a visitor profile. And so uh, Reverend Shuford steps up and, and he's welcoming the congregation and I feel like I'm in. I have slid in unbeknownst to anyone and sitting near the back where the Baptists belong and I've got my pen and I'm filling out my information. When all of a sudden I hear a voice, a heavenly voice say, I see we have a visitor. And I'm just fucking. <laughs> and, and he takes his glasses, his reading glasses, and he pushes them down on his nose and he looks right at me. And he goes, Are you part of some group or something? <laughs> now, uh, I was very nervous at this point. He asked me to stand up and introduce myself, so I did. I said, my name is Mac, and I'm just here uh, to worship and to meet some new friends. And when I said that, the entire church burst into applause, and some people were standing up and applauding. And you know what happened? You know what happened after that? Church. 